The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Out of the dark and heavy days of the judges comes a diamond of a story, a story of love and passion, a story of loyalty, of patience, of forbearance, of good temper, a story of of faith. Someone said to me, What does love have to do with marriage after all? And I answered back, it has everything to do with marriage. But it also has everything to do with any good friendship. This diamond of a story is about Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. The men almost fade into the background of this story until the very end. This is a story that is most unlikely. Elimelech is a man from Bethlehem in Judea. Bethlehem means house of bread. This is the place where Rachel was buried as she was giving birth to Benjamin. Bethlehem. I've been to Bethlehem. Today it's a dirty little town with people poor, Islamic. It's not a pleasant place to visit. I said, I'll never come here again. But I had to see it one time. For there was a day when Bethlehem was a gem. And the stories that come out of Bethlehem where Jesus was born that's where Jesus did not have a place to stay in the inn as he was just being given birth to by Mary the greatest love story of history was of Mary and Joseph and Jesus but the second greatest story coming out of Bethlehem is Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. But let's start at the beginning. There was a famine in the house of bread. Famine always came when the former or latter rain did not come. It was a sign of God's judgment because there was sin. Of all the books of the Bible that are the most painful for me to read, I would have to say it is the book of Judges. Because there we find the story of the human heart as it gives way to the power and the majesty of the God of heaven. Swears allegiance and then is utterly disloyal and turns and follows the false gods and brings about judgment on the land. This man from Bethlehem has a wife, Naomi. Naomi means 
grace, beautiful. And so here we find this couple with two sons, Malon and Kilion. And these two boys with their daddy, he decides to move them to Moab, hopefully for a financial gain. Now Moab is a place of death. You remember the Moabites came from the incestuous relationship between Lot and his daughter. They were cast out and forbidden to marry Moabite women in Israel because when they came out of the wilderness, the Moabites attacked them, would not give them bread or water or sell them food. And In fact, they found a way when Balaam could not curse them. They found a way to cause 24,000 of their people to die as they followed after the gods of the Moabites. But I want to tell you, love can overcome all bitterness. And that's this story. Elimelech, his wife, and his two sons, they move to Moab. The word Moab means fornication. It's a place of destruction. It's a place where where death comes. It's the world. It's Egypt. It's a place of destruction where no longer are you under the sheltering wing of God. I want to tell you today, there is no safety except under the sheltering wing of the Almighty God of heaven. There is no safety anywhere else. We live in a day of mass shootings, murders, crimes. You wonder where you're safe? Under the wing of Jesus Christ. That's the only safety. Now, as expected, Elimelech, after a few years in Moab, dies. She's left with her two sons. They both married Moabite women, one named Orpha and the other Ruth. After they lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also die. Naomi now is left without her two sons and with her husband gone. In that culture, women could not work. They weren't allowed to go out and earn the money. That was for the men to do. So so suddenly she is without any means of support. She can't support herself. She can take the meager possessions that she has from her husband and her two sons. But she hears suddenly that the Lord had come to the aid of his people, that there was bread once more in Bethlehem. 
And so Naomi makes the decision that she will leave behind her two daughter-in-laws and she will journey back that long distance walking on the king's highway. She will walk back to Israel and go to Bethlehem. Now, she speaks to her two daughter-in-laws and she's preparing to return home from there. Her two daughter-in-laws decide to walk with her and they begin the long journey. But when they get to the border between Moab and Israel, Naomi says to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness to you, as you've shown in your de- to your kindness to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Literally, following Naomi meant leaving the world, choosing to follow grace would have to be a tremendous step of faith for them. It is still a great step of faith to choose to follow grace and not the world. Oh, you can be very religious and still follow the world. The world has taken over in most of the church. Grace, grace is the way of the cross. Grace is the way of of self-sacrifice. Grace is the way of love and patience and forbearance and good temper and good sense and taste and feelings. Grace is the way of, of not walking away, of not deserting, of keeping your vow, of keeping your word. Grace is the way of salvation. It's the way of Jesus Christ. And now these two daughter-in-laws have a very difficult decision. Go back, each one of you, to your mother's home. Maybe your father can find you another husband. Your widow's. Well, they kiss Naomi, and they both, all three, weep aloud. And they say to to Naomi, we will go back with you to your people. We will go back with you. We love you. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. 
it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. And she is exactly right. The Lord's hand has gone out against Elimelech and her two sons, and they are now dead. God's judgment came on this family for leaving Bethlehem and trying to go to Moab, the world. When you leave the Lord Jesus and you begin to operate in your own strength and in your own power, you may still call yourself a Christian, but the judgment of God will come upon your life. The way of grace, the judgment of God does not come upon you. It's the way of obedience. It's the way of steadfastness. It's the way of entire and complete surrender to the Lord Jesus and to your word. Grace is the way of the cross. Now, the love story is being set up. And could I tell you, all of redemption, from Genesis to Revelation, is but a great story of grace, mercy, and love. It is a story of compassion. It is a story of self-sacrifice. Some will, some won't. You must decide if the bitterness and the selfishness of your heart can drive you to Moab and cause you to flee from the house of bread from Bethlehem. And now we have these two. They are they are alike in that they're attached to Naomi. There is a an attachment there. But is it strong enough? Is their love strong enough to carry them through? Part of the secret is found in the names of these two women. The name Orpha in the Hebrew means stiff-necked. While the name Ruth means friend and companion. And so now they weep aloud they say, we will go back with you to your people. But can I tell you, words are cheap. Tears are not enough. There has to be something anchored in the heart for a real love story. Today you may be married to a woman and you don't know if you should leave her. Or you may be married to a man, and you don't know if you should leave her. The love story of Ruth 
gives us a very clear picture of a diamond of great value. She would not leave. She would not depart. For love had grown so strong and the bonds of love so powerfully knit their hearts together. It was a decision that had to be made. Will you give love a chance? In the New Testament, we're told by the Apostle Paul, if your husband is a non-believer, don't leave him. He may be saved by your constant love and humility, submission, gentleness. He may be saved by your testimony in, in the life. You have to decide if you're going to grow bitter and rise up, losing your patience, losing your temper. Or are you going to walk in faith and trust what the Lord is doing? Naomi says again, return home. And they weep. And now we either have a love story or we have increased bitterness as Naomi would have to walk on alone with nothing and nobody empty. It's all in the decisions about love. Love decisions are not easy to make sometimes. They require humility of heart. They require a gentleness of spirit. Love demands self-sacrifice, laying it all on the altar. The greatest love story of history, to me, is the story of Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz. Naomi says, No, it's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. In other words, at least you can go home and you have a mother and a father. You have a chance to be married again. If you come with me, I have nothing to offer you. Can I tell you a secret? <laughs> Love does not demand that it gets its way. Love does not demand that it have something to gain. No, real love is laying down our lives one for another simply because God has placed that love in our hearts. It's not just sentimental. It's very much principle. I want to read for you from the New Testament. Love is patient. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not... It is not... 
easily angered. It keeps no record of rights and wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. This is what the Apostle Paul said love was. Love never fails. So when you really love someone, you don't keep track of what they've done or said against you. You don't keep track of rights and wrongs. You forgive. You walk in peace. You walk in love. There's nothing uglier in my heart than for a person to be only concerned about what they're going to get. As they suck dry a relationship because they're not getting their way. They suck dry a relationship and cut all the bonds of love because of selfishness and hardness of heart. Refusing to submit one to another. Refusing refusing grace and instead bring judgments and anger and bitterness. As they're standing on the road in the heat and the dust, as they're weeping, Orpha kisses her mother-in-law goodbye. Orpha is stiff-necked. She's saying, I will go back to Moab and I will serve God my way. She refuses to come under the wings of the Almighty God, Yahweh, the God of heaven and earth. I look at this I just want to weep she was turning down the sweetest love that is possible for a human heart to find that which is found in the Lord God of heaven as he covers you with his wing as he provides for you all that you need as you walk with him without hardness of heart, without disobedience, in humility and and enjoying his walking with you. Peace, grace, love. She was saying goodbye to this. She was not just saying goodbye to Ruth. She was not saying just goodbye to Naomi. We're never going to hear about this this woman Orpha again, she's going to disappear from the Holy Writ. She goes into oblivion. She's lost. Measure carefully your actions toward another. 
Measure carefully the decisions you make. For your decisions will have an eternal effect upon your salvation. You can walk away. God will let you walk away. But you will disappear. On the other hand, Ruth just clings to Naomi. She clings to Naomi. Ruth has made a decision that Naomi's God will be her God. That she will go back with her. That she will totally divorce herself from the wicked culture of Moab. She will not return to the false gods of this nation. She's made a decision. She will walk on with her mother-in-law. She will not desert. She will not cut herself off, even though she has no idea of what her future could possibly be, because it won't be what she would have in Moab. She doesn't know that she can ever expect to have a husband. She has a heart to follow the God of heaven. And she doesn't even know him. But she knows Ruth. And her heart is bound together with Naomi. Ruth knows Naomi. From years of living. Close together. Now I'm going to share with you. A vow that is the most powerful vow I've ever read. A vow of love. She says, through her tears, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. And where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. What an incredible vow. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Listen, Ruth did not say, where I go, I want you to go with me. And if you'll go with me, then you can live with me, mother. But I'm going to be in charge. No, that was not Ruth's heart. Ruth's heart was, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. 
your people will be my people and your God my God. This is how we have to come to Jesus. Where you go, Jesus, I will go. Where you stay, Jesus, I will stay. Your people will be my people, Jesus. Your God will be my God, Jesus. That's the vow of the Christian. That's the vow of the Christian wife. That's the vow of the Christian wife. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her to go back home. She recognized that there was something in Ruth's heart that was very different than that which is in Naomi's heart. Naomi, I'm sorry, in in, uh, Orpha's heart, Naomi recognized that difference between Ruth and Orpha. Which are you today? Are you a Ruth or are you an Orpha? I've seen people with such stiff necks that you could not budge them from their position. They were determined that they were going to have it their way and then some. Hard-edged, judgmental, hostile. These kind of people sever the love relationship and make it impossible to live together. But Ruth, in humble submission to Naomi, says, I'm going with you. Now, what I'm going to show you in just a minute is that Ruth didn't just go with Naomi. She wasn't going to go and freeload. She went with Naomi and then said, I'm going to support us. I'll do the work. That's love. So the two women walk on together. I wonder if they turned and watched as stiff-necked Orpha walked away. They walk on until they finally come to Bethlehem. I want you to see there's a distance between Moab and Bethlehem. Bethlehem is where the bread is. Moab is the world. It may take you some time to make the transition from Moab to Bethlehem. But that which will sustain you in your journey is love. This journey between Moab and Bethlehem can be a very painful journey. But what will sustain us in that journey is the love of Jesus Christ. 
and the love of those about us who likewise love us. The whole town of Bethlehem is abuzz as these women walk into Bethlehem. They say, can this be Naomi? And she says, no, no, no. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. There was a part of of Naomi's heart that was bitter because of all that had happened to her. The Lord God of heaven was going to have to heal her broken heart. She says, The Almighty has made my life very bitter. No, it was not the Almighty that made her life bitter. It was her husband, Elimelech, who took them to Moab and walked in the way of darkness and the way of the world, and it cost her her husband's life and her son's lives. We blame God often for what we have found as a result of our own wickedness, our own lack of love and grace and mercy. Life cannot be bitter when it is in the house of God. You may enter the house of God with a bitter heart, but you will not continue to have that bitter heart because love will overcome it. She says, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty, and that is true. She went away with a husband and two sons. Her support was guaranteed. She's come back with no support. And in her mind, she's come back with Naomi, who she is now responsible to cover and pay for and carry. She says, the Lord has afflicted me. Or the Lord has testified against me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Yes, it was the judgment of God on Elimelech. That's what the scriptures are saying. And on her two sons. The Lord did afflict them. He did testify against them. Oh, my brother, my sister, I don't want Jesus to testify against you. I don't want you to walk in bitterness and anger. I want you to allow Jesus to bring you fully under his wing where there is a softness, where there is a gentleness, where there is a strength, where there is courage, where there is hope, where there is forbearance one for another. I want you to walk in faith and know that Jesus is enough for us. Naomi returned from Moab according to the word. She was accompanied by Ruth. Ruth, of course, meaning friend and companion. Now, immediately, Ruth shows her mettle. She demonstrates her love. 
She doesn't demand that Naomi pay her way. She doesn't demand that Naomi sell the few possessions possessions that she came with in her little bag, the little bit of coin that she has. She doesn't demand that she give that to her and pay her way. No, instead she says, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. There was a custom in that day during the barley and the wheat harvest where the maidens could go out and gather the sheaves or the grains of wheat or barley that were dropped by the harvesters. The corners of the fields were to be left unharvested by the harvesters. They were for the poor. So Naomi saying yes i will i will let you go recognizing that ruth is in great danger she may be accosted by some young man she may be raped she may be beat up or chased because she's a moabitess naomi i'm sure with fear and trembling says to her go ahead my daughter So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. It was hot, sweaty work. Her fingers began to bleed as they're pierced by the sharp sharp stalks of the barley. This is miserable work. It takes a great deal to gather a very small amount. But she wants to provide food for her her mother-in-law she loves her and she's going to sacrifice everything she has to care for her mother-in-law she is not demanding that her mother-in-law take care of her now it happens that the field that she was working in was owned by a very wealthy man who was also from the same clan as as Naomi's husband Elimelech. Now when the owner of the field arrives from Bethlehem, he greets the harvesters. The Lord be with you, as was the common greeting of the day. The Lord bless you, they call back from the field. And Boaz speaks with the foreman. He says, whose young woman is that? The foreman replies, she's the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. So this young woman, a Moabitess, is very courteous. She doesn't demand the right that Israelite women have who are poor to go behind the harvesters and to harvest the corners of the field. There may have been others doing the same thing. But she goes and asks humbly of the foreman. They have a tent set up. And there they have food and water for the men when it's time to take a break. 
She says, Please, let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She doesn't come and say, Look, I know it's my right. I'm a poor person, and I'm going to glean in your field. She doesn't come with that kind of attitude. Do you understand me? That attitude of demanding my rights is utterly destructive to relationships of any kind. That demanding, I have a right, you owe me, I'm entitled, it destroys a love relationship. And Ruth is showing who she is. She's not demanding anything. She's coming and very courteously asking. Now, the foreman reports, she went into the field and has worked steadily from morning until now, except for a short rest in the shelter. <clears throat> She's a worker. She's out in that field in that hot sun, sweating, her fingers sore and pierced. She doesn't give up. She may have never done this before. They were not a poor family. The men supplied all that they needed. But now, she's out in the hot sun, trying to find enough food for her mother-in-law so they won't starve. And Boaz, <clears throat> he says to her, Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. And I've told the men not to touch you. And whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Would Boaz have responded this way if she had been demanding her rights? Of course not. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. And she exclaimed, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you would notice me, a foreigner? What I want you to see is that the very basis of this love story is a total absence of entitlement, a total absence of demand, a humility of heart, a submission of heart. There is grace all over this young woman. She's not there with Naomi for what she can get. She was there because she loves Naomi. And everything she has and everything she is, she will sacrifice to make sure that Naomi is all right. She will love her with all of her heart. And she's determined she will go provide for them. She's under no such obligation. Others... Who may, know, who may know Naomi, men will come and provide for them. But no, she's not willing to sit and be 
given charity. Now she's going to go to work. And she's not going to spend what she earns on herself. She's going to take care of Naomi. Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me? In other words, don't even don't even look at me. I'm not worthy. Oh, that is the that is the exquisite basis of the love story of the century where Jesus is willing to humble himself, come down and dwell among men, but not as a king, but as a servant, and then not just as a servant, but to die as it says in Philippians on the cross utterly lower himself remember when he put the towel around his waist at the last supper and washed his disciples feet jesus had no sense of entitlement he was there to love with compassion and mercy and grace his disciples and to serve them. And he said, Now, I, though your Lord and Master, have done this to you, you ought to do this one to another. In other words, the whole gospel of Jesus Christ is about humbling our hearts, giving up our rights, not making demands, but coming humbly and submitting one to another. Supporting one another on the journey. providing for one another. This issue of not forgiving one another, of letting bitterness grow in our heart, it destroys love. Love was meant to bring us to repentance, to turn our hearts away from wickedness. to come into a place where we are willing to lay our lives down for another. Boaz replies, I've been told all about what you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and your mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you've come to take refuge. Have you come to take refuge under the wings of Almighty God? Or have you demanded your own way, demanded your rights, demanded that everything be provided for you? Do you think you're entitled? I've lived long enough in this world to see a woman or a man who's willing to lay everything down for a wife or a husband, for Jesus, for the church. 
and I've also lived long enough to see men and women who demand that it be their way or the highway. I've seen the brokenness, the despair, the bitterness, the anger. I've seen all of that. Which are you today? Well, we're out of time for this broadcast. I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Would you share this message with someone else? With your wife or your husband? God bless you. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Joy.